This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope it's a payday. For you, maybe for you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners, maybe today is the day. Have a big lunch for yourself. Maybe get out and go do some cool stuff. Maybe you go to Nashville for the SEC men's basketball tournament. Maybe you'll come to Starkville. Be a duty noble fields. Bulldogs get ready to take on Lipscomb. We're going to preview all of that. But here's the deal. Just to kind of give you a programming note, this show is going to be recorded in two parts. There'll be one show. You're not going to have to go download both. But I'm going to record up until it's time for the uh, game with Alabama. We'll take a break, watch a game, come back, and then record the last segment of the show, and we'll push that out to you. So when you hear this, this show is going to be recorded over a period of hours. I'm going to get you up to date so we can have that ready to go, you know, relatively quickly after the Alabama game is over, and then we'll kind of assess where we are and then close out the show. That's how it's going to work. Before we get into everything else, uh, Mississippi State picked up its first football commitment of 2024 on Wednesday evening. Uh, Really, really, really big get for Mississippi State. I don't know that I can oversell this one. Josh Flowers, a four-star quarterback from Baker High School in Mobile, Alabama. That's the same high school that brought us Blaine Clausell. Now, Josh got offered middle of last month, took an unofficial visit to campus with his family, Decided it was time. Kevin Barbet, Steve Campbell, Joey Jones, Eric Mealy, everybody involved in all that. Eric Mealy, of course, involved with uh, you know, Chris Parson a little bit a little bit last year, too, as the area recruiter. Of course, Drew Hollingshead kind of did the heavy lifting there. But uh, it's a huge get to, number one, get your quarterback first, but to get a quarterback of this caliber. 90, according to 247 Sports, the composite has him slightly higher but he is a solid four-star, considered the number 19 player in the state of Alabama, according to the composite. The Mobile area has kind of been under-recruited by Mississippi State in the past several years, which makes Joey Jones and Steve Campbell all the more important because both of them at some point were head coaches at South Alabama. They got a lot of connections down there. Those connections reaping some dividends early on. Uh, Josh, several offers, including Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, and of course, Mississippi State, North Carolina State, Texas A&M, Tulane, UAB, among others. But it's so big to get a guy that, number one, has some juice in the recruiting footprint. Josh, 6'2", 205 pounds, an absolutely outstanding prospect, fits exactly what Kevin Barbe wants in this offense. You want the mobile quarterback, but you don't want to run first quarterback. You want a guy that's a true dual threat, and that's what you're getting with Josh Flowers. Also had a couple of other big-time prospects on campus yesterday. Terrence Hibbler, defensive lineman from Holmes County Central, was on, on campus with a couple teammates. Like what I'm hearing about where the Bulldogs stand with him, 
there was some discussion about him making a decision, you know, maybe in the summer. I'm hearing it may actually come a little bit before them. We'll see. Uh, the family would like to keep him home. The state's been very good to Holmes County Central. Holmes County Central been very good to Mississippi State as well. We'll see how things progress, right? But the reality of it is the state's, uh, you know, doing a pretty good job so far. So far. I tell you, a guy that uh, you know, wrote about this this morning, a guy that was on campus yesterday, Derek Butler. They call him DJ Butler from Davidson High School in Mobile, Alabama. This is a guy. You talk about a guy that's rocked up, it's him. He looks like what you'd expect an SEC running back to look, and he's a junior in high school. The guy already knows where the weight room is. Expected a two-back class, and rightfully so, you know. But the reality of it is, is I think State is off to a good start. You'd say, you know what, Steve, you know, we'd like to have more commitments. I think with the new staff getting to know their new roster and to know their needs, you know, I think the spring will be an important aspect of it and say, hey, this kid's going to make it. This kid maybe not. This kid needs some development. So you kind of know your needs a little bit better after the spring. The spring evaluation period is coming up. You know, spring break's about to get cranked up for us. And so – I look for business to pick up here in the weeks to come. We did spend some time with Zach Arnett yesterday, as well as Kevin Barbe, Matt Brock. You can see the videos of those press conferences. They were done on the field at jeanspage.com for free. How about that? So even if you're not a member of Jeans Page, and you certainly should be, you can go watch those videos for free. And we make most of the big room stuff, like if it's all of us, you know, with the Clarion Ledger and the Daily Journal. If everybody's there together, we make that stuff free. We don't make that a VIP thing. If we get a one-on-one interview, it's a little bit different. But you don't have to be a subscriber to watch those. And, and I, I don't know what all they're putting on the, the Hell State Plus thing. I, I get the sense that's fading a little bit anyway. But we make that stuff for free. You can go by and check it out. And, uh, you know, if, if you just go to our front page right now, go to jeanspage.com right now. You can see, number one, there is a free article, What's Next for Mississippi State. I wrote that. Beneath that is the day two depth chart. Paul Jones does a, basically updates it every day. Every time we have a practice, we kind of update if there's any movement on the depth chart. And even though the depth chart in spring is kind of written in sand, it kind of gives you an idea where things stand. And then there is the RNET Q&A. There is a transcription. The questions are paraphrased, so give us a little bit of a break here. But there's also the video of that. And so you can kind of get up to date, you know, kind of what's going on with football. We're all wrapped up in baseball right now, and certainly in basketball, because we, we feel like we've got two uh, NCAA tournament teams here. But with spring practice kind of getting going, you can get up to date basically for free at jeanspage.com. And, of course, there are some more in-depth articles and things of that nature, especially on the recruiting side of things that we do make VIP. But, again, you don't have to be a member to see much of our team coverage. And uh, I submit to you, nobody, absolutely nobody, is doing a better job than we are. I- I'm willing to, uh, to debate that, too. As a matter of fact, last weekend, uh, the only, only Mississippi State writer on campus, excuse me, on location when the Bulldogs played in the Frisco College Baseball Classic was me. And then we had people back here, of course, on uh, Tuesday. You know, Mike Nemeth and I covering baseball, and then David Murray and Paul Jones, Robbie Falk, out there knocking out football stuff. You know, so we, we because we have an army of folks, we can be a little more diverse in our coverage. Nobody's providing more in-depth coverage of Mississippi State 
than we are. Period. So come by and check us out today. You'll be glad you did. Speaking of that, checking out things. Uh, our friends at Bulldog Burger Company still doing a great job. So earlier this week, I told you guys I've been craving a freshman 15. I absolutely satisfied that craving. Had the freshman 15 with the onion rings. I'm a bit of a riddle in, wrapped inside of an enigma when it comes to the onions. You know, I, don't, I can't stand uncooked onions. I don't know why people would ever use those, right? I, mean, I, I, I don't get it. Maybe you like it. It's not a choice for me. People are like, oh, onions are great. You know, maybe, well, maybe they are to you. They're not to me. I don't like onions. And, uh, but when it comes to onion rings, I can eat them. And matter of fact, I craved them. Matter, I had onion rings again yesterday. I've had onion rings, I think, twice this week. It's a weird deal. So if, if you are like me and you kind of like onion rings, and I like them a lot, you can get great onion rings at Bulldog Burger Company. And it's not just the onion rings. It's a great restaurant quality hamburger, or it's the chicken wings, or it's the uh, Sloppy Joe sliders, or it's a chicken sandwich. That sweet heat chicken sandwich is outstanding. It's also a great place to have a night out with friends, whether it be business colleagues or uh, college roommates or whatever you're looking for, you know? I mean, it's just, it's a night out with family. It's a night out with friends. You can get all, get all of it handled at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. And speaking of Tupelo, don't forget, 12 days from now, on the 22nd, 22nd, you're going to have another tap takeover. If you're a person that says, you know what, Steve, I like, you know, these, uh, you know, regional brewers and people like that, like things maybe that uh, you can't get in the grocery store. Bulldog Burger Company has got a night just for you. Tap takeover on 22nd in Tupelo. Memphis Made Brewing is going to be there. It's going to be five to eight. Andy. Uh, from Memphis Made Brewing Company is going to be there. They're going to have some pine glasses, some giveaway materials, but more importantly, you're going to be able to uh, sample some of their fine selection. So make plans to attend. That's on the 22nd at the Bulldog Burger location in Tupelo. So maybe you're already thinking, I need something to do anyway. I'm going to go out and uh, maybe do something I can't do just any time I want to. It's a special event. Again, that's Tupelo, Bulldog Burger Company on the 22nd. Uh, with the Memphis Made Brewing Company. Be sure and go check it out, 5 to 8. All right, let's get into uh, how we got here, right? As uh, Mississippi State does beat Florida on yesterday. Like all of you, I, I, I was so frustrated by the time that game ended. I, di- I didn't know what to do or say. And then it's like, okay, we won. Okay, so I'm just going to be happy. It was a very frustrating final two minutes of that ball game. And uh, there were times that even in the second half, I was like, what, what are we doing? You know, what in the world are we doing? I don't know, maybe if the moment wasn't too big for us. We're able to overcome that. But, you know, that happens sometimes, too. Is that when you know what's at stake, you start thinking, oh, oh, oh are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Do we deserve it? And, in fact, we do. We do deserve it. And I want to apologize to you guys, too, because I have not kept up with what's going on in Florida. I didn't know Castleton broke his hand and has missed the last five ball games. He didn't even play. I mentioned him in the preview as a guy we had to had to get in. So I sound like an idiot, and I apologize for that. But uh, he didn't play. And it makes you wonder, too, if, they, if he did play, if we wouldn't have been in trouble. Because Tolo Smith absolutely dominated this game, 28 points, 12 rebounds, and late Tolu put us on his back and carried us to victory. Deshaun Davis had a big ball game, too, especially late. 
Batolo was the guy we needed him to be. And my wife asked me, she's, after the game, she goes, are you happy? I said, I'm just so happy for our kids. And you hate to call them kids, but I'm, I'm just so happy for our players. And specifically, Tolu Smith. Made the decision to come back, didn't go in the portal, didn't go in the draft. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he's an NBA player. I, I, I certainly think he'll make a living playing basketball for a while. But you know, he came back with a dream of getting to the NCAA tournament. And by all indications, that's what's going to happen. And I remember the relief on his face in that post-game interview uh, with Marty. I just felt so good for Tolu. I feel good for all of us. But, you know, this is a young man, too, that put a lot on the line and then has come back and won the Howell Trophy. Uh, you'd like to get him back. You know, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're considering making an NIL donation, maybe perhaps that's the way you go. Let's keep Tolu here, right? Another year certainly wouldn't hurt him. Make us a better team. Shaquille Moore had a dozen points in the first, what, eight minutes of the ball game, and then Florida adjusted, kind of shut him down. He finishes with 13. Makes a free throw late. Deshaun Davis just dishing out assists late in this ball game. We absolutely had to have that. Absolutely outstanding. And the lob to Sean Jones Jr., a thing of absolute beauty. It turned out to be the only made basket for Sean Jones Jr., but it was an emphatic heave. When we had to have it initially, I thought there was a foul too, but there wasn't. I should share the replay on the backside. You don't see it. DJ Jeffries, I thought, did some really good things on the glass specifically. Uh, just the four points. And you know it's a roller coaster with DJ. You know, I mean, you never know. You know, one game it's two points, the next game it's, it's 15. Cam Matthews, not much on the offensive end, pulled down eight boards for us. Had, had a big turnover leg too. And that's not – what you expect from Cam? Cam's a veteran. It's one of the reasons you put the ball in his hands late. Riley Kugel, uh, excellent player. Obviously, 14 points for him. And uh, I thought State did a really good job on him in the second half. And they did. Myron Jones got to us a little bit, hit a couple big threes late. Uh, Kawachi Reeves, another guy too, an energy guy for sure. But uh, the game goes into overtime, so let's take a quick look back. You know, I, I know at this point – we're another game away. It kind of feels like ancient history now, but uh, we kind of owe it to ourselves real quickly. I mean, you look back, again, you know, State's up by as many as 14 its first half. Yeah, I thought, you know what, we'll be up 20 at the break, be able to uh, maybe empty the bench late in this game and save our legs a little bit, and boy, was I wrong about that. And it really felt like towards the end of the, the first half, you know, we got really sloppy on the offensive end. We're still playing pretty good defense, but um, – you know, it's a 14-point game, a minute 21 to go, and then they make a little bit of a run late to cut it to 10. And then the opening few minutes of the second half, it's like we could not make a shot. It didn't matter who was shooting from what distance, no matter the circumstance. I mean, it's almost like if you let us run the, the layup drill, we'd have had a trouble making that. And it was frustrating. Like all of you, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we're about to blow this game. And all of a sudden you look up, with just over five minutes gone in the second half and a three-point basket, uh, you know, gives Florida a one-point lead. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, are we fixing to blow this thing with all that we have on the line here? State's resolve was there, though. The will was good. We kept trading the lead, trading the lead. You know, you start thinking, okay, now we're up, you know, three uh, with, with just under eight to go. And then Myron Jones hits that big three from the top of the key. 
Stay goes back up to, and then we push it out to four, and as many as six, and you're thinking, okay, and what do you know? Myron Jones makes another three, and it cuts it to three, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to win this game. Okay, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. All right, then they tie it. Another big three-point basket. I'm beginning to think to myself, can somebody get a hand in his face? You know, what are we doing here? And the big part of it late, you know, was turnovers. I mean, it was just, you know, we, we couldn't we, we couldn't get stops. We couldn't get stops. And it seems like we couldn't make a basket. You know, we don't score uh, the last, basically, last two minutes of the ballgame. When we hit Tolu in the paint, I'm thinking, when we, okay, this is it. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. And we don't score the rest of the game and give up a couple big threes. And not to mention, uh, Jones, as hot as he was, fired up another three at the end of regulation. And, and it left his hands. I'm thinking we're about to make the highlight video for Florida. I don't know what uh, Chris Jans told him, obviously, during the break, but it worked. We come out and immediately go to work. And it's a five-point lead with four minutes to go. And I thought the big emphatic dunk from Cameron Matthews was a huge part of this. It was kind of like we're letting Florida know. No, we're, we're not done. You know, we may have should have already won this game. We let you hang around. But we're going to win this game. They get a layup to cut it to three. And then uh, we push it back out to five. This is on that Sean Jones heave. Absolutely outstanding. I love the way that they, uh, they, they package that on the SEC Network. Tolu puts us up seven with two minutes to play. I'm thinking, this is it. We'll go ahead and cruise here. But no, no, that wasn't the case. Alex Fudge with a layup, cuts it to five. Uh, Shaquille makes one free throw, misses the other. That's his only points in the second half. And the next thing you know, they get a rebound and Riley Kugel hits a three. It's now a three-point game with 38 seconds to play. And then we turn the ball over. Sean Jones turns it over. We end up having a foul. We didn't have to foul, but we did foul. Uh, Kugel makes a couple free throws. It's now a one-point game. And then we turn it over again, this time to Sean Davis. It's like he's throwing cops out there. They make a layup and go up one, and I'm thinking, this is really happening. What we have feared is happening. A very pedestrian Florida team without their best player is about to end our NCAA tournament hopes, but no. Tolu Smith said, no. I got you, boys. And Deshaun Davis, and a tremendous assist. He kind of got up in the air there and kind of got caught in between the shot and the the pass. And Tolu happens to be there, and we make the basket. And uh, I, I tell you that the thing about this sequence, it was encouraging to me, as wild as it was, turning the ball over, I think think Florida is a little more athletic than us. I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's the case. It may not be the co- This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply piece of unit that we are, but they are very athletic. But we didn't panic. We didn't panic here. With 11 seconds to go, we're down one after, you know, basically controlling much of this ballgame. And we go down. The veteran Deshaun Davis finds the veteran to Lou Smith. We're up and in. We didn't give Florida a chance to reset there. We call timeout. They bring in all these three-point shooters. And Myron Jones fires off. And we win. And it was not a fun experience other than the fact that we won. It's like I even tweeted out that it was harder than it had to be, but we got it done. Now, everybody is saying we're in the tournament. I feel a whole lot better hearing Joe Lenardi say it. You don't get to be the national bracketologist. You don't get to be the guy that people know and trust as long as they've trusted Joe Lenardi without having some connections and understanding how the process works. Just kind of how it is. And so if Lenardi says we're in, I feel good that we're in. The SEC network, all throughout the broadcast, said state wins, we're in. I think we may have been in it anyway, but I think losing that ball game would have been detrimental. Nobody is going to – if we go out there and lose to Alabama today, and we'll discuss that later in the show, nobody's going to say, oh, well, this Mississippi State team's terrible. They don't deserve to get in. You go out there, you know – if you beat them, hey, it's even better, right? It removes all doubt. But I think we're in, and I trust the experts here. And so glad to get the win over Florida. We should have two wins over Florida this year. But, again, it didn't have to be this tough. But you know what? No matter how frustrating that final couple minutes were, the fact that we had to go into overtime against a team that we controlled most of the game, we got the dub. And that's all that matters. We talk about survive in advance. We survive in advance. Let's take a quick look. Uh, at the SEC tournament bracket based on what happened on yesterday's numbers. And, again, we'll, we'll be back when, when the game is over to finish up the show. Let's look at the, the men's bracket. That, uh, you know, interesting. Interesting in some respects. I don't know if there's been any big surprises, right? I mean, would you? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I just I don't know how I'd feel about that. You know, looking back at yesterday, uh, let's see. We'll go back to yesterday's numbers here. I love this time of year like everybody else. I do. All right, so State beats Florida at 69-68. Tennessee beats Ole Miss 70-55. Ole Miss was game for a while. Just kind of running out of juice. Arkansas beats Auburn 76-73. Is that a real surprise? No, nah, probably not. Auburn playing for their NCAA tournament lives, too. Vanderbilt, of course, beats LSU. In that game, I never really felt like LSU, maybe after the first four minutes or whatever. Uh, I didn't think that LSU was really in the game. Maybe, maybe you saw it differently. I, I I didn't. I didn't see it that way. And you got to give Jerry Stackhouse and his staff some credit, man. They, they have really done a good job at Vanderbilt. I guess finishing sixth. And uh, you're about to beat a team that you just, you know, you're about to play a team you just defeated uh, in their home arena. But uh, so your schedule today, of course, you know, the season is now over uh, for South Carolina. Georgia, Georgia, I guess Georgia could be in the NIT, maybe. I don't know, 16 and 17, I don't know if you put them in there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Florida, 
now 16 and 16. Maybe these numbers have been updated. I don't know. Uh, Ole Miss, of course, they'll they'll move into the uh, coaching, announcing their coach, and then Auburn at Tennessee. When I mean, Arkansas Tennessee beats Auburn, so Auburn's t- twenty and twelve, and uh, a, you know first round exit, you know one and done in the tournament. I don't know. And so today's action, of course, when we'll recap this soon, Mississippi State and Alabama, the nooner, and then Tennessee and Missouri, the afternoon matinee, Arkansas and A&M tonight at 6. That could be a great game. It really could be. And then Vanderbilt and Kentucky. So that's your final eight in the SEC tournament in the quarterfinals. So all Mississippi State needs to do is beat Alabama, right? And then, uh, you know, send the college basketball bracketologist into a panic. I think Alabama's on on the one line, regardless of what happens. But I do expect State to come out ready to play. Now, we've been in these situations before, and you get in a tournament, and you win a game, and then the next game you get absolutely obliterated. But um, I just feel like we're going to be ready to play. Don't know if we win. I think we're going to be ready to play. And I'm eager to see maybe – maybe the relief of winning yesterday, how we respond to that emotionally. Do we come out and play loose and say, you know what, hey, we've done everything we need to do, everything else is a bonus, or do we come out and say, all right, we've already done enough, and then we get our heads kicked in? You know, we'll talk about that uh, later in the show. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. If you are looking to get into a mortgage, and chances are you need to, especially if you've never had one. You don't need to keep throwing money away renting. And some people say, well, the good thing is, Steve, when my lease is up, I can just leave. Well, that's true, too. But wouldn't you like to have a place to plant some roots? Wouldn't you like to have a home that one day maybe you could leave to your children? We talk about generational wealth and things of that nature. And property is a great investment. More times than not. So rather than throw your money away, looking to buy a home. And many people are doing this for the first time. Many of you new graduates or you know, maybe newlyweds, you're thinking, okay, we've got to buy a home. You need somebody that's been doing this longer than you've been looking. Blair Chandler, 21 years of experience in the industry. Give him a call or text today at his personal cell number, 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. That's a little less money out of your out of pot, out of pocket. You're looking to refi? Maybe this is the way to go. I don't know your circumstances, but Blair is a guy that has seen it all and done it all. Top one one percent close ratio in the country. Works a fairway mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction uh, when it comes to mortgage loan origination. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Be sure and check them out today. All right. So Roy had this grand idea that you know the Bill Street Music Festival is coming up. And uh, maybe you're familiar with that. I have never been. Many of you have. I have never been. People say, but Steve, you, uh, yeah, it's true, but I've never been. I, I've never been. And I, I doubt I go this year too. And that doesn't, there's nothing against Memphis or nothing against the, uh, the Bill Street Festival. They have a great lineup. And so we're going to have a uh, top 10 today based on really, I guess, who I would most like to see at the festival. So this is the top 10 people that I would like to see. And kind of in the order I'd like to see them. All right, number 10 is Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the song we're going with is Let's Groove. I was a kid. I had it on 45. I think it dropped in 82. I'm from the 1900s. 
And so we actually, you know, we had vinyl when uh, that was all, was all we had. That was our only option. That or eight tracks. And, and can you believe we had stereos back then? Like that was that was like an enhancement. You had the radio, and then you had the, the your turntable, and then the great the great stereo systems also had an eight track. And then you had to change the channel, right? You had the four channels. You, you kind of and then, and you, you could never rewind or fast forward. You just it was just it was crazy. But anyway, so I had a forty five, and uh, it's interesting to hear kids today talk about vinyl. You know, we used to have the forty fives. And you could buy those for a couple bucks. And um, pretty awesome. Because you would get like the single, whatever was hot, and then they would have like a B-side on the other side. And sometimes some, the B-side was better than the single. But I had this on 45. And uh, I'd like to thank Colton Ledbetter, Uncle Versi's nephew, great nephew, uh, for bringing Earth, Wind, and Fire back to Duty Noble Field. I did speak to Colton uh, post-game Sunday. And uh, he didn't realize all this family he had down at Abe Mead County, Mississippi. He's heard a lot about the Ledbetters down there. He said he even had some Ledbetters that have shown up at ball games. Family didn't know he had. Came up and said hello to him. But uh, you and I both know, regardless of who his true kinfolks are, you know, you know as well as I do. You know that Marcel and Newdale and Odell and you all, all the Dale Ledbetters. You know they're all looking down, beaming with pride because Colton Ledbetter is hitting the two-hole for the Diamond Dogs. All right, number nine, I saw this gentleman and his band in Memphis at the FedEx Forum as they opened for the Foo Fighters here a few years ago. Uh, me and my, my daughter Audrey went and had a blast. And as much as I enjoyed the Foo Fighters, I was so impressed with Gary Clark Jr. So impressed. What a showman. And it's so authentic. I mean, number one, this guy's got the blues in his soul. But that band was so incredibly tight. Many of you were there with me, right? I mean, you didn't know you were there with me, but you were. And Gary Clark Jr. was amazing. He wasn't better than the Foo Fighters, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say, because I feel like, oh, they blew him off the stage. No, but Gary Clark proved that he was certainly worthy and then some to open for a band as big as the Foo Fighters. Gary Clark was amazing. So we're going to go with Got to Get Up. That's your number nine song, Got to Get Up from Gary Clark Jr. All right, number eight. I'm going to be honest with you. This may surprise some of you. I wasn't a huge 311 fan. I'm not a huge 311 fan. I like it. Okay, I do. But, like, I'll be honest with you. When this, I didn't like the direction music was going. And so when 311 hit, it's like you had all these, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to describe. Some of, their, some of their fans got on my nerves. And it's like, oh, we're doing this. And it was really kind of the early days of new metal. And so 311 was doing the DJ thing, and they were kind of rapping over the stuff. But uh, there's a couple of good tracks. I know some of you are huge 311 fans, and maybe you're disappointed to hear that I'm not. That's okay. But we're going with Down. Number eight, 311 Down, which is their biggest hit. And I'll submit to you in many respects, 311's a one-hit wonder. Number seven, a band that uh, I've never seen, but I have listened to these guys. As a matter of fact, they wrote one of the songs that uh, really inspirational to me. I really dig this track. We're going to use it on our list today, but it's the Struts. And uh, they have the same kind of bravado as Queen, right? They're one of those bands that just, they have a real presence. And we're going to go with the Struts, Could Have Been Me. And that's one of those songs, too. Like, when, before I wrote Flim Flam, and I've shared this with many people. I've always felt in some respects it was kind of a manifest destiny that I had to write books. 
and I and I, it was this crippling fear that I wouldn't do it, that I wouldn't know how to do it, I couldn't pull it off, I wouldn't be able to find an agent or publishing or any of that kind of stuff. And uh, fortunately, I did. But I, I used to always think, man, I'm going to lay in my deathbed one day and say, you know what? I never wrote a book, and I'm going to feel like my life was unfulfilled. And everybody asks me when I'm out, hey, what's the next book? I don't know yet. You know, we'll figure it out. We're going to talk about it. Um, you know, I don't know. I never know where life's going to take me. You know, I, I, I'm actually ready to kind of get going, but uh, kind of enjoyed having the wife home for a little while. So I'm not ready to take on, um, you know, a big project, maybe something that I do, uh, you know, here this summer. But, um, but this is one of those songs that kind of brings me back to that moment. You know, I didn't want to be that guy at the end of my life saying, you know, that could have been me. I could have done this and I could have done that. And I'll be honest with you, to kind of give you an open confession here. Um, as great as my life has been, especially since I've been clean and sober, there've always been a lot of things that never, in my mind have never quite been good enough. You know, it's like I've got these, and maybe they're delusions of grandeur, but I, you know, I have bigger goals for myself, you know, than this. You know, I, I think that I've st- I still got to write, uh, you know, my a Time to Kill. You know, I've, I've still got that in me, I think, I believe. I just hope I live long enough to do it. But I can live with the fact that I have written five books, and, um, and they've all done really well. And so I'm very happy, and I feel accomplished with that, but there's always this part of me is, okay, well, what's next? You know, what's next? Uh, number six, and I'd like to thank Colby Holcomb for bringing this track back to Duty Noble Field. Uh, Living Color will be playing at the Bill Street Music Festival. We, that, and a lot of people would say, Steve, they're a one-hit wonder, too. No, well, they're really not. I mean, they've had the one song, Cult of Personality, which is your number six song, that has kind of endured throughout the years. Uh, you know, Open Letter to a Landlord is another one that's amazing. Uh, Love Rears Its Ugly Head. I mean, they, they had some big hits. Of course, I'm from the 1900s when MTV actually played music. And so we saw a lot of Living Color. And it wasn't just because they were this novelty act. You know, Vernon Reed is amazing. Corey Glover, great front man. This is a great band. And so if you get a chance to go see him when you're in Memphis, be sure and get down front and maybe get a guitar pick from Vernon Reed and then mail it to me. All right, number five. And this is a guy that's up and running, man. He's Bulldog, and uh, we love him. We support him. Matter of fact, I got a text from his dad the other night. want to make sure I've heard the new album. And I absolutely have, as in I informed Michael Hardy, or Mike Hardy, Hey, not only have I heard it, I listened to it the day it dropped. I was traveling that day, and uh, The Crow and the Mockingbird, it's fabulous. I love the diversity of Hardy. I love the fact that um, we're kind of getting to see, you know, kind of the whole palette of uh, the Hardy experience. And uh, I would say probably, you know, my, my wife jams this song all the time. It seems like every time we get in the car, she puts it on, but it's uh, sold out from Hardy. And uh, it talks about being country, but it's also got some rock elements, and that appeals to me. I have a lot of people that say, you know, well, country and rap are so similar. They're not similar in any way whatsoever, period. But there is a lot of significance and similarities between country and rock. I think Hardy kind of brings that uh, to the forefront. But I, I've had people in the past say, well, well Steve, there, there's this. No, no, you're, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. All right, number four. Another band that I haven't seen, I remember playing this song for uh, Robert St. John one day. And he's like, man, that sounds like a Robert Plant whale. And it absolutely does. Robert, you're absolutely correct. But it's Greta Van Fleet. And we're going back to the beginning. We're going highway tune. And this is another band, too, that gives me some hope for the future for rock music. 
I don't know that they're ready to be a headliner yet. I know some other people are like, oh, they're out there opening show in, in clubs, okay? I don't know if they're ready to sell out arenas, but uh, they have built a good following. And uh, they have a really good sound, and they don't really sound like a nostalgia act. Obviously, Led Zeppelin was a, an influence on those guys, but uh, they've done some things that are kind of uniquely their own. So that's your number four song, Highway Tune from Greta Van Fleet. Number three, another band I've never seen. And I was supposed to see them in Rocklahoma, thanks to my buddy Mark Fulton. And uh, because they uh, live was supposed to fill in for Soundgarden after Chris Cornell's Untimely Death. And what's interesting, Eddie Trunk told me this. It's amazing. Uh, Eddie said, because I got a chance to visit with Eddie the next day, um, and I was able to stump the trunk, um, that at Rock on the Range and at Rocklahoma, both times when Soundgarden was scheduled to play, that the rains came and it rained out the show. It's almost like the earth was mourning the passing of Chris Cornell. And so as much as I would have wanted to see live, there's some poetry and all that. But uh, I didn't get a chance to see live because of the fact that, uh, you know, they had to cancel the rest of the, of the night. But I go back to, uh, you know, of course, you had mental jewelry, of course, and then throwing copper. Those albums were great. Um, I, I enjoy live. I do. And uh, we're going to go back to probably my favorite live song, and it's I Alone. And... Uh, it's one of those, it's, it's basically this guy just declaring his love for a girl. And, you know, I guess it could go either way, but uh, I alone love you. And there's some truth in every bit of that. I, I know how you feel if you're like me. You know, it's like I think, you know what, there have probably been dudes in, in, uh, in the past that have loved my wife, but they've never loved her the way that I love her, you know. And uh, that's part of it. You know, when you're dating, you know, it's like you get all this infatuation, this puppy love, and you don't know what love is. You think you do, but you don't. You know, it becomes a relationship of convenience. Is somebody to go do something with? It becomes an expectation that eventually things don't work out. And I remember losing relationships in the past, you know, and I was like, well, I don't understand why it didn't work out. Because it wasn't supposed to work out, right? It wasn't supposed to work out. Despite your best efforts, sometimes things don't work out. But I know this. I know that that uh, blonde-haired lady up in the other bedroom here, uh, away from my office, I can say without a doubt that nobody's ever loved her as much as I do. So I Alone from Live number three. Number two, and we just had a top ten for this band, and so I'm able to work in another song, right? I've had some really good feedback about the Hellstorm list. There are many people, again, that I feel like we have turned on the Hellstorm because of this show. I've had many people that had never heard of this band, never heard of Lizzie Hale, and told the Boneyard, now I'm a big fan. That makes me very happy. So we're going to work in at number two. A song that I mentioned the other day is kind of an honorable mention, but it's Can I Get an Amen? And I think that's on the Wildlife album. I believe that's correct. Uh, maybe it's Vicious. I don't remember. But nevertheless, Hellstorm will be rocking Memphis. If you get a chance, if you're in the neighborhood, and if you're thinking, I just want to go for a day, go for Hellstorm Day. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I remember we were in Biloxi when... Um, we had Paper Cup Massacre, and uh, may God bless Joey. Um, and then Lizzie Hale walks out on stage and just heard a microphone, and she opens up with just kind of singing a cappella, the uh, opening bars to It's Not You. And you could hear how amazing she was as a vocalist even back then. So Lizzie Hale, Hale Store number two, can I get an amen? But number one for me, 
and this again, this this is kind of a sentimental deal for me. Um, so when uh, my wife and I used to take these anniversary trips, and so again, and when we were resuming those, but um, every every time we take a trip, you know, this is back before I I, I I music and iTunes and Apple Music and all that good stuff. I can never get it out. So I would go buy like a CD, you know, like a CD for the weekend. And I bought Robert Plant and Allison Krauss's uh, Raising Sand, I guess is the name of the album. And we went to dinner, had a good time, and uh, got in the hot tub and put on the CD at the Airbnb, little place we stayed. And um, and every so often I'll, I'll put that album on and I remember that. I and mean, we had a great time. We're down in St. Francisville. We went and hiked the trails and... Uh, just spent a couple of days being a couple. And every time that I think about St. Francisville, I think about this CD because I'm the kind of person, I like to make memories with music, right? And sometimes there's some music out there that I don't have good memories of, so I'll go do something else so I can erase that because I don't want to hear a song. It always, always reminds me of something negative. So I go make something positive out of that. But um, one of my favorite tracks on that Raising Sand album is Please Read the Letter. And it's kind of a throwback. I don't even know the genesis of a lot of these tracks, but I've never seen Robert Plant in person either. And so of all the people that I want to see, I'd say I'd like to see Robert Plant the most. And how cool would that be? Right. So all these bands that I have listed today, with the exception of Hellstorm and Gary Clark, I've never seen in person. So maybe I need to go to the Bill Street Music Festival. If you're considering going, I encourage you to go check it out. Have a great time. Be safe. Stay somewhere that's well lit. And uh, and have a good time. But if you can't go, maybe enjoy our top 10 list. And, and again, thank Roy for uh, for the idea. And uh, of course, we'll be back with uh, you know three fresh lists next week. But uh, excited about what is to come uh, with music and uh, with this weekend. And I hope that you guys get out a chance to enjoy some cool things. And that reminds me, too, uh, my buddy Jeff Murray hit me up and reminded me of this. I don't know if we make an appearance, even though I have been invited. Uh, Jan Graham had hit me up and said, hey, I hope we can see you guys on Sunday. So maybe I show up. I don't know. We got baseball. I don't know if I can make it in time. But uh, Sledgehammer which has uh, yeah, Brent Graham and Steve Blaze from, uh, and Mike from Lillian Axe are going to be at the uh, Shuckers Crawfish Bowl. So come by and check them out. Four to eight this Sunday. I just don't know if we can make it in time. And I hate that because I had to miss the Lillian show in Chalmette last weekend because we were in Frisco. So it's back-to-back weekends. I've had a chance to see my friends. and uh, But, you know, duty calls. I mean, I'm not paid just to be the rock and roll guy. You know, we got to do the Mississippi State stuff. So – but again, if you're down in central Mississippi this weekend looking for something to do, Sunday, go by the Shuckers. And I'm sure my buddy Brian Jones will be there too. Go by and check him out. All right. Um, and as always, thanks for your contributions to the top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10, reach out, let me know. Sometimes the ideas I don't think are good ones. Sometimes I just can't, can't do the list justice. There have been sometimes country artists have popped up. I'll reach out to people that I know that love country. And I'll let them kind of be a guest picker of sorts. But um, I appreciate your support of the top 10 list. There's so many people that come up to me at, at shows or they'll be at a book signing or ball game and say, Steve, I love a top 10 list. I have expanded my listening horizons by listening to the Boneyard. And so we're happy to do that. 
Next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution, a place you should always be proud to go shop because they love Mississippi State people. They love the Mississippi State Bulldogs. It's not just a job for them, it's a passion. Miss Kathy Brown does such an amazing job buying merchandise. She is constantly looking for something, something new and fresh that, that may be the perfect gift for you to give to somebody you love. I mean, most of the things in my home that are outfitted in Mississippi State stuff, a lot of it's I got from Campus Bookmark. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about running down there again this weekend. You know, I'm always and – I, and I have to go buy something when I go in there. There's some places, you know, it's like I, I, I know if I go down there, I'm going to spend some money. So i got to make sure i got money to spend. That's the case with Campus Bookmark. Be sure and go check them out. Neatly positioned right behind campus. You can go by and see them and then take that right, right there by Lee – and go all the way down, and the next thing you know, you're at the sporting venues. You're not far away. There's not a lot of traffic over there. Very easy to get in and out of. Uh, best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the universe is Campus Bookmark. You can't make it to town. Visit them on the Internet at campusbookmark.net. Do some online ordering there. We'll save you a little money, too. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks, any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, we touched on the Lipscomb Bisons a little bit on Wednesday's show. We'll give you more of an in-depth preview today. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, they took two of three from Notre Dame the opening weekend of the season. I mean, think about that for a second. Okay, it's opening day, and then it's, it's, it's Lipscomb baseball trading card giveaway day. And then as kids run the bases, and you got to run the bases as a Lipscomb Bison fan, knowing you took two out of three from Notre Dame. Are you kidding me? What a great weekend for Lipscomb baseball. I would submit probably one of the best weekends in Lipscomb baseball history. They take down Notre Dame. And, of course, Notre Dame's been really good the last couple of years. You guys know as well as I do. Notre Dame baseball under Link Jarrett was outstanding. Of course, Link's not there anymore. But that you talk about a helmet sticker win, that's it. Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame baseball is not what you know maybe we are, but uh, you know the the Fighting Irish five and four this year, so far five and four, five and four took two out of three from UAB last week. Uh, but again, that that this is a team that has culture, you know. And so, but anyway, big week, big 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 opening weekend win for them. And so then they take down Southern Indiana. And they uh, take two out of three from Illinois, Chicago. And then the wheels have kind of come off since then. They lose in Cookville, Tennessee to Tennessee Tech. Remember those guys? We, we love them, right? The Golden Eagles. Remember they went and won a regional at Oxford? How great that was. Led the nation in home runs that year. And then they get swept by Auburn. And then they lose a uh, midweek game uh, back on Tuesday to Georgia Tech. And so they have been on the road since uh, last weekend. Or excuse me two weeks ago when they hosted Illinois Chicago. And so pitching has not been stellar. So let's jump into this kind of prepare you for the weekend. Uh, you know, Mississippi State has announced two-thirds of their pitching rotation. So we'll have Gerangelo Sanji pitching uh, tonight, TBA tomorrow, and then Landon Gartman in his normal spot on Sunday. So we'll see what happens on Saturday, mañana. Okay, look at the pitching numbers. It, it has not been great. Okay, it's not been great. However, they've had a couple guys do a pretty good job here. Uh, Braden Tucker, three appearances, three starts, but all three have been no decisions. 
averaging six innings per. Batting average against is 159. 6'3", 205-pound right-hander from Brazil, Indiana. He's a grad grad student, and uh, he worked seven innings against Auburn. Really good effort there. You know, seven innings pitched, three hits, allows one run, K6, and walks three, and they lose ballgame. But th- this is a dude, right? This is a guy that uh, has done a good job uh, when it's kind of pitching. And so certainly a guy that we should expect to see and a guy that's done a good job against an SEC team, right? Now, he was the Sunday guy last week. I have not seen their announcement this week, but, you know, we're certain to see him. But uh, he threw on Sunday last week. Okay, Michael Dunkelberger. What a tough name, man. I mean, no, all due respect, Mike, to you and your family, but they that that's a tough one right there. Dunkelberger. Sounds like he should be an attorney. All right, he is from South Bend, Indiana. You know that Notre Dame series meant a lot to him. He went four and a third uh, in that ballgame against him. Two hits, two runs, uh, six Ks, three walks. And then uh, he threw on Friday night last week. And kind of doing the math here. He has thrown uh, Friday night all three weekends. So good chance we'll see him. He is a left-hander, and it seems like everybody wants to throw a left-hander against Mississippi State. And until we consistently rock some left-handers, that's what you're going to see. But uh, Dunkelberger is 0-2 on the year. I feel like I'm being mean. 0-2 on the year with a 7.90 ERA. And this is a guy, too, that is not missing a lot of bats. He has given up a hit per inning. And then, of course, we talked about his walk numbers. You know, you know, 8. So, so it's a 2-1 K to, to walk ratio here, 16-8. to eight. But uh, you know, 14 hits, 12 runs, all of them earned. He's also given up three home runs and four doubles, which um, is tied for the team high in extra base hits allowed. That's always interesting, right? It's always, always, always interesting. All right, the other weekend starter has been Ethan Smith, who is, uh, again, he's no record, but he started three games for him. ERA of 9.31. He has been their regular Saturday guy. Notre Dame, he goes five innings, two hits, one run, four Ks, three walks. Illinois, Chicago, he goes just three innings. So in many respects, he's kind of working as an open. Auburn, Auburn was all over him. Seven hits, seven runs, and just the one strikeout. Did, did not survive the second inning. And so that's what's kind of got that ERA ticked up a little bit. But so their three weekend starters are a collective 0-2. And so you start looking through the bullpen aspect of it. You know, who's doing well, who's who's contributing, who's not, because they've won some ball games. I mean, they're not a team, obviously, that uh, has won a ton, but they're 5-8. and eight. So the victory, somebody had to beat a winning pitcher, right? All right, so Ben Wilson, a reliever, is 1-1 one and one on the year, and Logan Bantreek is 1-1 one and one on the year. Alex Brewer, 1-1 one and one on the year. But his ERA is 10.64. This is a team that is pitching poor with rare exception. Of course, we talk about Braden Tucker having having the great game last weekend. His numbers are really good. Maybe he just had a great day. But this is not a pitching staff that's been able to really hold people down. But you look at some of these scores, and it makes you think perhaps they're a pretty good defensive team. You you would think that. But, uh, you know, look at some of these scores. You know, it's 5-4, 8-4, 4-2, 6-4. Yeah, I mean, the biggest win they've had is 9-8. Uh, they give up 10 to Tennessee Tech in that Tuesday game. Let's see who the pitcher of record was in that one. 
just from just because. Uh, so yeah, looking at the uh, the numbers here, yeah, there was a Johnny Holstaff day for Lipscomb. They started Chandler Giles, and then they threw six other guys, and then you know there was a reliever tag with the loss. But um, yeah, it was just a Johnny Holstaff day, kind of a bullpen day for everybody. But uh, you know Auburn puts up a dozen in that Saturday game. Of course, they put up seven early in two innings and kind of chased uh, the guy early on. But uh, you know nobody has really flaxed much on them except for Auburn in that uh, that Saturday game. Because again, that's seven three four to three. I mean, the Sunday game's four to three, and with Tucker going out there going as deep as he did, he kept them in the ball game. We just couldn't close. That's kind of the reality of that. But um, you know, again, this is you know, I'm not gonna sit here and oversell this team. We should sweep this weekend. We need to sweep this weekend. And then, of course, you know, Chris Simonos and those guys can't say that publicly. We got to get fat this weekend. We got to get all three of these. And I think with the quality of pitching that they have. We ought to be able to get in that bullpen sooner rather than later. Now, let's look at the um, offensive side of things for them. Uh, Alex Vergara leads the team with a 366 batting average. He has played in 10 games. They have played 13 games. He's only played in 10. He has missed some time uh, over the course of the season. But um, 41 at-bats, 15 hits for him, four home runs. And, and they've got some home runs kind of littered up and down this lineup. They've hit 26 as a team. They currently have five guys that have hit four or more. I guess four is the most. But, yeah, I got five guys that have hit four home runs this year. So, they got a little power. So, don't be surprised if they poke one over the fence. 26. They've only allowed a dozen. They've hit 26 home runs. And, again, think about the fact they played Notre Dame and Auburn. They're keeping the ball in the ballpark. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right, Mason Lundgren, 340. Is a hitter. He's played in all 13 games. 50 at bat, 17 hits. Got it and doesn't strike out a ton, but uh basically one out of every five at bats. And it's a team, they're striking out 125 and they're striking out 125 hitters. It's per it's an anomaly in the numbers right there. It won't always be that way. But they've striked out as many hitters as their hitters have struck out. That's always interesting to me. They're not really hit by the pitch very often. However, they have plunked some guys as a staff, 21 hit batsman by the Lipscomb pitching staff. Uh, there are only two players that have hit above 300. Trace Woolhoit is right there at the number at 295. He's got four dingers, leads the team with 14 RBIs, also has 10 walks, but he, he does have a tendency to swing and miss. The, the leader in swing and miss on this team is Will Lee. Number 23, Will Lee, is hitting a buck 71, 17 strikeouts, and just the one walk. Looks like Will's having a tough time seeing baseball. A sophomore out of Spring, Texas, the home of one Kyle York, or the birthplace of Kyle York, former Bulldog quarterback Kyle York. And so you look at these numbers, and it's like they can run into one. I mean, they don't look to be a team that can kind of string together a lot of hits. You leave a ball up, though, they can hurt you. That's interesting to me. Maybe it is to you, too. Let's see if we can look at some of these defensive numbers, too, while we're here, right? Uh, look at fielding numbers, let's see, as a team, 969. That's not great. Not great. Not great. So they are committing some errors here. Let's see who the main culprits are. Uh, Caleb Ketchup. Man, that's an unfortunate name. Out of Atlanta, Georgia. He is an infielder that has booted the ball around a good bit. Caleb Ketchup. 
That's tough, man. Twelve catch up with uh, you know four errors in uh, with fifty six chances. They even have an Alec Gonzalez too, kind of booting the ball around a little bit. But um, again, not great defensively, not great pitching wise. And again, there doesn't appear to be a lot in this game. You look at that just kind of runs against you here. But uh, you look at the numbers here. They had 41 at-bats against Auburn in the uh, Saturday game, I guess it was. And again, they put up 11 runs. But uh, they had five home runs in a game against Illinois-Chicago. So we look at those numbers. Those power numbers are a little bit skewed because of the one game there. You had five tanks in a ball game. They, they did steal seven bases against Southern Indiana. But they're not a team that ideally runs it a ton. They're 15 of, eight, 15 of 18, and then seven of those stolen bases come in one ball game. Still kind of figuring this thing out. But uh, by and large, this is a team that State should be able to go out there and handle. I think that's how we all see it. And uh, when you look at what the schedule kind of affords Mississippi State right now, the chance to be at home, the chance to have an opportunity to string some things together because of the fact we've discussed this before that kind of a break in the schedule because of the fact that, uh, you know, State had a chance to play in the Frisco Classic. And then Arizona State, we scheduled them when we could. So this should be kind of the quality of playing like a week two opponent for Mississippi State. And so if you can go get these three, all of a sudden you're 11 and five. And State can ill afford to drop a non-conference game like this. So we get through the weekend, and then we'll be down at the hancock Whitney Classic, and we'll preview that on Monday. Nickel State, Tuesday at 6, and then UO Lafayette, 5 p.m. on Wednesday, down at MGM Park in Biloxi. And so how interesting is it, too, that over the course of a couple weeks here that State's going to play in three different minor league baseball parks? Right? Played in Pearl. Trust Mark. You do that every year. Head out to Frisco. Play at Riders Field. And now MGM Park. And so we'll have a chance to get out there and uh, cover that. And uh, I am heading down there. We made that decision. So uh, that'll, it'll be good. And then we'll head to Lexington next weekend. And so a lot of baseball in front of us. But State's got to focus on winning the game today. It's a 6 p.m. first pitch tonight. That's on the SEC Network Plus. And then tomorrow it's a 2 p.m. start. And then on Sunday we're at 1. At the getaway day we get started at 1 o'clock. So evening baseball tonight and then should be two afternoon uh, ball games the rest of the weekend. Now, we don't know what that means for Sunday. I'm getting a lot of messages and said, I mean, even as early as Tuesday. Steve, we playing a doubleheader Saturday? No clue. We usually find out on Friday. I don't know if they'll announce it today. I don't know if the weather will change. You know, that's a, we have a meteorology school. Maybe you're familiar. And so there have been a lot of times in the past that our fans with their 10-day weather app have suggested we're not going to be able to play baseball, and then we've played baseball. They'll find a window, we'll get the games in, whatever. But uh, partly sunny today, cloudy tomorrow, and then Sunday there's currently an 80% chance of rain. I don't know how that breaks out, and again, I don't know what they'll decide to do. We will find out today or find out this evening. They'll wait as long as they can. Lipscomb's already here, right? I mean, it's not like they're having to you know, change their travel plans or something. Uh, they're already here, and they're not, and they're not that too terribly far from home. But the reality of it is is that, um, you know, we got a big ball game coming up because it's the next ball game. And so we need to get all three of these in, and we need to win all three of these games. Simple as that. I think you all see it the same way that I do. Uh, I do think Auburn's going to be a good team. I don't think Auburn's going to be a great offensive team. If Auburn was able to get after these guys a little bit, we should be able to as well with our offensive uh, firepower. And, uh, you know, I'd like the weather was a little bit warmer. 
so be sure and bring a sleeve tonight. But uh, I don't know uh, how well the ball will carry this evening. Don't have to look at the wind patterns or anything like that, n- none of that. I'm just going to show up and go cover a ball game. And, uh, you know, the high today is 63, but by the time the sun goes down, it'll be pretty chilly. So pre- prepare for that, and then hopefully we get uh, you know, some really nice weather on Saturday. I'm not opposed to playing two on Saturday because I think we need to win every game we possibly can. We need to get these games in at all possible. And if that includes – if that means uh, playing two tomorrow, then that's what we got to do. But trust me, Chris Simonis and Zach Selman, those guys will make that decision. And uh, they, they don't want to wash out either. Chris and the, Bull, and the Bulldogs want to play. They want to play this ball game. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Now, we're going to take a break right now. And when I come back, the ball game is going to be been played. State and Alabama would have been played. Right now, as I, as I speak to you, it's about uh, quarter till noon. So I'm going to take my dogs out, let them rest a little bit, use the restroom, and I'm going to come back in, I'm going to watch this ball game, and then I'll come back and finish the show once the game is over. So, again, as I told you opening the show, we're going to record this in two segments, but it'll be one show. So I'll be back, and hopefully we've won a basketball game. I'm not expecting to win, but how incredible would that be if we're able to win – that basketball game against the University of Alabama. You talk about removing all doubt about getting into the tournament. I don't know if you, if you, if you move up above all, the 11 seed. I don't know, but uh, I think at that point you start feeling pretty good about life. Not to mention we've been so close to beating Alabama. It would be really good if we could do it on neutral floor. It's so tough to beat a team three times unless you're just markedly better, and, and they are better than us. But I don't know that anybody's played them as well as we have uh, out in Tuscaloosa the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So I'll be back with the final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. As I've told you guys before, Brooks Bryan is my friend, your friend, a friend of Starkville. Brooks is part of a great group of developers that are bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville, making it a better place to live. Many of you have dreamed of one day returning to or moving to Starkville for the first time, just to be close to all things Bulldog. What could be better than be 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, but also kind of tucked away neatly and nicely in a neighborhood there for safety and convenience? Not that it's a wild place up here, but, you know, you don't want a bunch of college kids out there and beer cans in your yard, right? I would love to live in Portico. Uh, if I was moving to Stargo, it's absolutely where I'd move. And uh, give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And you can get started with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can accommodate you. Maybe you need a bigger office. Maybe you want this. Maybe you want that. Maybe you want a bigger kitchen island. Listen, Carrie and the guys will take care of you. Be sure and check in with Brooks. Uh, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two is uh, you know, under construction now. Many of those homes are sold, but there are some available. And, of course, there are some lots available, so you can kind of pick and choose your lot. And your housing plan. doesn't have to be this cookie-cutter approach. You can get what you want. Be sure to check it out today and make Portico your next move. All right, the basketball game is now over. We probably could have recorded this segment at halftime. And uh, Alabama just all over Mississippi State today. I'm not disappointed in the respect that, uh, you know, we lost the ball game. I think, you know, Alabama came out and played like the SEC regular season champions. And we didn't. And so Alabama's length, especially on the defensive end, gave us a ton of trouble. When you can't space the floor, when you can't spread them out, that's what's going to happen. 
Uh, Tolu ended up having a pretty good ball game when it's all said and done, but uh, didn't play a lot in the first half. A little bit gassed, I guess you'd say. But the reality of it is, sometimes the other guys are just better. And that's the case. You know, we, we gave Alabama a scare in Tuscaloosa. And so we were hoping to have more of a competitive ball game today. But you got to know, Nate Oates and that team understands what they're playing for. And after the way that the Bulldogs defended them in Tuscaloosa, we knew that we would see a very renewed effort from the Crimson Tide on the offensive end. And we got it. They got out to a 7-0 lead and State cut it to 7-4. And it felt like we could never really get any closer than that. And then, of course, just before the half, you're thinking, man, we got a chance here to cut this thing to single digits. And you look up and we're down 20. And from there, Alabama just kind of nursed the lead along. And uh, just part of it, you know. I, I mean, just part of it. I mean, you hate, you hate it is what it is. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that uh, Alabama's just better than Mississippi State. They're 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 fighting for the number one seed in the tournament, not the, the SEC tournament, which they already have, but the full tournament. And so there's a big, expansive gap talent-wise between Mississippi State and Alabama. State, of course, really struggled from the perimeter in this ball game. DJ Jeffries rams home the only three-point basket of the day, and the final score is 72 to 49. And to be fair, I don't even know if that's truly the score is indicative of how much better Alabama was than Mississippi State today. The Bulldogs, 31%, 18 of 58 from the floor. And many of those successes came later in the ballgame. One of 13 from beyond the arc. Alabama, 13 of 37. When they're jacking up 37 threes, it's going to be tough. Free throw percentage stayed actually 12 of 16. Alabama did not get to the line. They didn't do much in the paint. Uh, And when they did, it felt like they just kind of did what they wanted to do, especially with uh, not really anybody down there around Tolu to kind of contribute. You look up and say State only had a dozen turnovers. State had 20 yesterday and a win against Florida. A couple of those late that allowed Florida to get back in the ballgame. State only forced seven turnovers. I mean, this is two of the top defensive teams in the country. The difference is Alabama has all the pieces offensively uh, to really make it look good. State with just four assisted baskets in the ballgame, Alabama 21. They do such a good job spreading the floor on that perimeter. And the drive and kick is just something, you know, they're so especially skilled at. It's a great Alabama team. And listen, like all of you guys, I mean, I I struggle. This Brandon Miller thing is not something that uh, I approve of. I mean, not that my opinion matters in many respects, but uh, as talented as he is, it's very difficult for me uh, to to wish him success. And like uh, Jimmy Dykes and him go on and on and on about how he's now a finalist for the Naismith Award. As talented as he is, I hope he doesn't win it. You can't keep rewarding negative behavior. And, uh, you know, his comments, of course, about uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. I'm not going to say anything else about this. That, you know, it's all very self-serving. Um, but there's no doubt about his talent. Uh, I didn't think the game was uh, especially well officiated, but it didn't matter. Alabama was just that much better than Mississippi State. There were times, especially late in that ball game, when State was hammering Alabama shooters, uh, not getting the call. But that's a Pat Adams crew. But all that said... I think the Bulldogs went to Nashville and did what they needed to do, which was beat Florida. A lot of discussion, you know, is State the last four in? Or whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as we're in and we deserve to be in, 
And while this is a quad one loss, it wasn't a quality loss. We didn't get out there and play especially well. And there were times in this ball game we, we didn't look like we were playing in the same league as those guys. All right, let's look inside the uh, look inside the numbers a little bit here. Uh, you know, for Alabama, let's see, 17 points for Mark Sears. Uh, Quinterly with 20. I'm not a big fan of his either. He talks too much trash for me. Uh, Betty Ako with 23. I guess it's a plus 23 for him. I'm sitting here trying to make sense of this. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, three points for Sears. Excuse me. 10 for Quinterly, 11 for Betty Ako. Uh, Noah Clowney had five. Brandon Miller led all Alabama scorers with 18. Noah Gurley off the bench with 11. And again, just you know, just a good effort here. 27 of 67 from the floor, 40.3% uh, shooting for Alabama. Mississippi State, on the other hand, uh, DJ Jeffries with seven. Tolu with 17. Shaquille Moore with just two. Cameron Matthews with two. Deshaun Davis with 13. If we're going to have three guys – in single digits, it's going to be a long ball game against a team of quality of Alabama. But Deshaun Davis, I thought at times, looked a little bit out of control. He was 5 of 13 from the floor, uh, did not make a three-point basket. And uh, while some of these uh, turnovers in this ball game, you know, were difference-making type events, Deshaun Davis not tagged with one, even though I thought he put out of control a few times and got bailed out. Cam Matthews, and not, not a good effort from him. Uh, today not not a lack of effort but really a lack of production there got in some foul trouble state pulls him with about a minute to go in the first half to avoid the third foul and then he gets it two minutes into the second half Uh, did not foul the rest of the ball game state just 12 personal fouls in the game tolu and cam the only ones that even reached three Uh, but you know it, it kind of is what it is but when you go one of 13 and that's the bigger issue. It's not the fact that you missed the three-point shooting. It's just the fact the threat of three-point shooting kind of spaces the floor out and keeps people from sagging on Tolu, and that just wasn't the case today. Again, Tolu, 9 of 10 from the line, 4 of 7 from the floor, uh, 17 points in the ball game. But, you know, there's just – there's not there's no way to put lipstick on a pig. We got beat by a better team. We got beat decisively by a better team. And so now we wait. We see what happens next. Uh, as you get ready to listen to this show, Tennessee and Missouri are getting ready to tip off. You know, really has no impact on our standing at all. I, I firmly believe that we're in. I have a lot of confidence in Joe Lenardi. It's just a matter of are we in a play-in game or not. And I'm like all of you. I don't even care as long as we're in the tournament. I don't know if you guys know this. We have not won an NCAA tournament game since 2008, and that was the 8-9 game against Oregon. We won that 76-69, and then we lose to Memphis, number one seed Memphis, 77-74, in a game that we still feel like we should have won. Stay goes back to the tournament in 09 as a 13 seed, and we get beat by Washington. We didn't go back for another decade, and we lose to Liberty. Uh, that's Ben Howen's legacy. You, you get one tournament appearance, and you blow it. In a 5-12 game. State was a five seed in that game. You lose by four. We had no business losing that game. We are the more talented team. You had three pro players on that team. And uh, you blew it. You did. That's why he's no longer your coach. I mean, all those years and all those promises and all the talk about being phenomenal and uh, zero NCAA tournament wins and just one appearance. Now, we know we're playing postseason basketball. We know, worst case, we're in the NIT. But uh, we were in NIT last year. 
and uh, had, went on the road because of construction at the Humphrey Coliseum, and we lose 60-57 to Virginia. You know, went to the finals in 2021. We thought that perhaps that was a, um, you know, a building block moving forward, but it wasn't. But I, I do not think we're an NIT team, barring something totally unforeseen, because a lot of other teams around us that are kind of similarly situated have little, have, are losing. And so I think we have a little bit of a buffer there. And there's a lot of discussion. There's eight SEC teams in. We are the eighth. Vanderbilt could potentially be the ninth. But uh, they are well behind us in the projections. We'll see how things go. I don't care if they send us to Osioka, Missouri uh, to, for a play-in game against, uh, you know, whoever. I just want to continue playing meaningful basketball. And like all of you, as frustrating as it is to lose today, it in no way changes my opinion of Chris Jans, this team, or this season. The problems that we had early on, we still have in many respects, is we just don't have any perimeter shooting. That's something we've got to improve upon. You know, with recruiting, development, probably have to hit the portal. A lot of discussion about Josh Hubbard, former Ole Miss signee that, um, you know, Ole Miss, of course, trying to go back on him once they get a coaching hire. That, you know, he, he did sign with them. He's asked for his release. Uh, is it Chris Beard? I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. But the reality of it is State has got to have a perimeter threat in order to be a better team moving forward. You know the defensive effort is there. You know the rebounding effort is there. You know in the half court we'll get out there and grind you out a little bit. But we've got to have the ability – to shoot from beyond the arc. And we struggled to defend the perimeter today, too, which, again, judging yourself against Alabama, who's the potential number one team in the tournament, that, you know, it's not fair. It's, it's not. But the reality of it is they are one of our contemporaries in many respects because they play in the SEC West. So that's who we're chasing. And today was a reminder that we're not quite there. Again, we never expected to win this ball game. We hope to be competitive. And, you know, there's always the, you know, the rising hope. But, hey, somebody gets hot and you – March Madness becomes a crazy thing with all those Tennessee fans sitting in the arena. Perhaps, you know, it becomes a big deal, right? But I was not emotionally invested in the outcome of this basketball game. I really felt like we needed to go to the SEC tournament in Nashville and beat Florida, and regardless of what happened against Alabama, we would be in. I will be surprised if we're not. I'm eager to move forward and see what we can do in the offseason to kind of improve upon uh, the nucleus we have coming back, and I don't know, again, if you, if you don't go directly at, at Tolu and try to find a way to get him back, because if we can put some people around him and give him better space on the floor, perhaps he can put himself in a better situation uh, draft-wise. He is kind of is he is who he is, but the reality of it is Chris Jans and his staff got more from Tolu than anybody at any point in his career, uh, and that's really exciting. Uh, that, that's really exciting, but um, – I appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State basketball. And now we'll kind of move forward and kind of look ahead and, and see what else there is. But, uh, you know, looking at the latest, you know, bracketology, if I can pull that up for you, just, just you know, names that you can kind of continue to look for here. I know many of you are, many of you are watching this so closely that uh, we've got some guys on our basketball board that they, they can give you your rooting interest every single day. Um, but let's take a quick look. You know, the, the last – uh, bracketology from Joe Lenardi has State as the last team of the last four buys. And he has Penn State just ahead of us. So the last four buys he has with Boise State, Providence, Penn State, Mississippi State. Last four in is Rutgers, Pitt, Utah State, Arizona State. 
And uh, last I saw, Purdue uh, was, was ahead of Rutgers, and so there may be some adjustment there. But that should give us a little bit of a buffer. And, of course, Pitt uh, got destroyed by North Carolina in the tournament. Uh, the first four out, Oklahoma State, Clemson, Nevada, Wisconsin. Wisconsin got absolutely shelled. And then it's North Carolina, Oregon, Vanderbilt, Michigan. So you see Vanderbilt has a lot of ground to make up. They're going to have to leapfrog, you know, nearly a dozen teams to make the field. And short of them getting to Sunday, I just don't know that's going to happen. Just don't know. But they may have, they may have to actually win the tournament uh, in order to make that happen. And I just don't know if they've got the team to do that. So we feel like we've got a little bit of a buffer there. But not much. And, again, nobody expected this, uh, you know, this team today uh, to beat Alabama. I don't think anybody that, that handles projections or even the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is going to think less of Mississippi State for losing to the potential number one seed in the tournament. But uh, we talk about the, uh, you know, the last four in group. You know, those are the ones that will have the play-in game. Is, you know, Utah State will play Arizona State as projected. Rutgers would play Pitt. Southeast Missouri, who was an automatic qualifier, would play uh, Franklin Dickinson and then A&M Corpus Christi against Howard. So we should be in the bracket without having to have the, uh, the play-in game. But either way, I'm, I'm like all of you. I don't even care. Just put us in. Let's go win a game. Uh, don't, I don't even really care where we're seated. I, I would rather be, you know, a 10 or 11 seed or whatever than be a um, – 8-9. I don't want to play that 8-9 game because even if you win it, you've probably got to play a one seed the next round. That's usually how they work. So uh, I want to win a couple ball games. Wouldn't it be amazing to make a Sweet 16? I mean, I'm not getting ahead of ourselves. Number one, we got to get in the tournament and then win a game. But I think Chris Jans and, and his staff, you know, with a few, get, few days to prepare for an NCAA tournament game and the emotional lift for this team that has wanted this so badly to be able to make the field – I think we'll be ready to go. And, you know, we, you saw what Chris Jans and those guys did last year. Uh, he is a guy that knows how to coach in a tournament. And so we'll see how things play, you know, play out. But, uh, you know, watch Joe Lenardi's projections. I think Joe is a guy that you've, um, you know, you really can probably spend some time putting some credence in what he has to say. What's interesting, his latest projection has state – is the 11th seed in Des Moines, Iowa, against San Diego State, who was an automatic qualifier. That would be our first-round game. And then if we win and the chalk holds, you'd play Marquette again, a team that State defeated earlier in the non-conference schedule. Marquette's a very good basketball team, don't get me wrong. But uh, you begin to look at that and you begin to think, you know, hey, that's a good draw for us. Getting in anywhere I'm thrilled with. But, man, if given us a chance to play San Diego State, perhaps that is a, uh, a game that we could win. And then, you know, against a team against Marquette, perhaps we will play a team that um, we're familiar with. Just looking ahead for the fun of it, San Diego State is 25-6 and six out of the Mountain West. Uh, this is a team that uh, has scheduled really well in the non-conference. Uh, look at their non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, took on BYU, who was likely a, an NIT team. They went at Stanford, who has really struggled this year. Uh, recently, recently announced they're not going to make a coaching change this year. Uh, they lose at Arizona, they lose to Arizona and lose to Arkansas. No real shame in that. But they put together a pretty good run after that, and then to get into their conference, and of course played exceptionally well. But um, you know, so this could be a team, obviously, that uh, Mississippi State could face. But until the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee 
makes their announcement. There's no way to, you, know, you shouldn't be buying any tickets yet. Okay, that's just kind of my point. We, we are cautiously optimistic about state's inclusion. And I think, again, it's not just about you or I offer an opinion. It's the people that are paid to follow this on a yearly basis. Their collective opinion is that your Bulldogs are in the dance. Of course, we'll wait and find out what happens with the women, too. But it uh, could be an exceptional situation where we have both teams in. Now, we're going to finish this thing up. Um and get ready to head over to Duty Noble Field. You know, it's a ball game tonight, of course. And again, I get, I'm getting tons of texts and calls. Guys, we don't know if there's going to be a doubleheader tomorrow. We don't know. I know you're eager to know so you can make plans. But I can promise you this. If we had that information, you wouldn't have to text us and ask us for it. We, we, we're in the media. So we're going to put that information out there as soon as we have it. Not to mention, once Mississippi State makes the announcement, it won't just be us they'll make an announcement too, as will everybody else in the media. So you, you won't have to go seeking that information. We will make that readily available to you. And, uh, again, just kind of looking at the, uh, the weekend forecast, which has changed a little bit since we were together last, but uh, just a couple hours ago. But uh, the chances for rain on Sunday have actually increased. They've gone from 80% to 90%. So, again, it's a sunny day today. It's going to be a chilly night at Duty Noble Field. And then we'll have a cool, cloudy day on Saturday. Could be a doubleheader day. We simply don't know. And by the time you listen to this show, maybe perhaps an announcement's been made. We genuinely find out Friday after a ball game. That's usually how it's done. Now, sometimes the, you know the weather department and state can go ahead and tell Coach Lamonis and the event management groups, hey, the, here's the deal. We need to go ahead and make a move now. But a lot can change in 48 hours. And so, typically, they wait and make that decision as late as possible. So, again, I suspect that we'll know tonight after the game what Saturday schedule holds. And I know some of you are thinking, hey, well, Steve, we're planning to come up for an afternoon game. We need to know if we need to leave earlier. I just don't have any information for you yet. So, I just need you to kind of hang in there with us and watch us on social media, of course, on the jeanspage.com message boards. Uh, We'll provide the latest updates uh, as we get them. But uh, back to basketball, now it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. And I take a lot of confidence in the fact that, uh, you know, Joe Lenardi and you know, Jimmy Dykes, who I, sometimes I think is, you know, a good commentator and other times I don't. But uh, those guys have connections. But Dykes and Carl Ravitch and those guys are really kind of, you know, pointing you towards Joe Lenardi. And I think when you look at the body of work and the fact that many of the bubbles around us have burst during the conference tournaments, I think we can feel really good about it. And it's going to be exhilarating, too. I've thought about this. You know, beginning of the year, I think most of us that felt like we were being objective said, hey, we're, we're an NIT team. And even though we were an NIT team the last two years, this will give Christian something to build on going forward. The fact that here we are heading into Selection Sunday with fingers crossed and expecting to make the tournament is a testament to Chris Jans and his staff and these players and everybody involved in Mississippi State men's basketball. I think if we're fair with ourselves, back in the preseason, if somebody had said, hey, State's going to go into the SEC tournament needing to win a game and then they're going to win it to make the tournament, you just said, I'll take it right now. Hey, you're going to win, you know, 21 games, and then you're going to finish, you know, right at 500 in the league in year one, 
considering the schedule we had in the first half, you'd say, man, I'll take it. And so I'm not in any way going to feel bad about this season based on today's result. We, we didn't play well. We, we didn't, and they did. They played well, and there was a time there our defense really got to them, and uh, they had a real scoring drought. We just couldn't take advantage. And when you look at the difference between the haves and the have-nots in college basketball, it's all about recruiting. And we have not recruited exceptionally well. I know some people will tell you that we have. Uh, you don't need to see the recruiting rankings. You just turn on that game today and you can see the difference between an elite team and then a good team. Alabama's length, their athleticism, their speed really, really, really gave us trouble. It did. And so in order for us to take the next step, you know, we've got to recruit better. And, and listen, Jans is going to find some grinders. He's going to find some guys out there that um, – you know, fit his culture and fit his scheme. And this is a guy, small town, uh, Midwestern guy that understands what it's like, you know, to have big dreams and what it takes to, to realize your potential. But we're going to have to go out there and get some big name, big name guys. Is Josh Hubbard a difference maker for this team? I, I, I don't know. But I tell you this, I, I feel that Josh Hubbard didn't accidentally score the most points in, in Mississippi high school basketball history. I don't think that came by accident. Is he a volume shooter? Yes, he is. But is he a guy with college coaching could be a real difference maker for this team? I think so. Maybe not in year one, but I think you got to go out there and you got to do all you can to get him, right? I mean, you lost him to Ole Miss once. You don't need to lose him again to a new coaching staff because there's, there's, there's no relationship, right? We talk about all the time how recruiting's about relationships. Your Kermit Davis did a great job on Josh Hubbard, which is why he committed there in the first place. Even though Kermit was under all this heat, there are all these people around the Ole Miss basketball program that were suggesting, hey, Kermit's out with a bad year. Well, it was a bad year, and he's gone. And so in the event it is Chris Beard, we don't know for sure that it is. Maybe an announcement comes today. Not, not exactly sure. You know, there's I haven't kept up, to be quite honest with you, an awful lot because um, it's all I can do to keep up with Mississippi State men's basketball, right? But all that said, it would be difficult, I think, for a new staff to come in and keep a guy that has already asked for his release. And uh, Josh spoke with our Paul Jones here a few days ago and uh, had a handful of schools that have been very, very, very uh, aggressive in their recruitment of his. Uh, I've been told that Josh Hubbard's uh, girlfriend's going to be a cheerleader at Mississippi State next year. So I don't know the you know the depth of that relationship, but you got to feel like that that's, that's a good thing for Mississippi State. How, how big of a thing, we don't know. There have been a lot of times in the past – you know, high school romances don't survive the first semester of college, right? So you never, never really know. But uh, it can't hurt uh, to know that, that that's the case. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things progress. I don't think there's any high school kid that makes a, a decision about his college future, though, based on a high school romance. I mean, if there are, they're very few and far between. Uh, but it doesn't hurt to know that uh, she's coming here. So if he's serious about her, you know, perhaps that is a, uh, you know, a box that's checked for the Bulldogs. But uh, the rest of the SEC tournament is of absolutely no consequence to me. I know many of you are, are so eager uh, to see the rest of the tournament. I absolutely do not care. My rooting interest when it comes to college basketball is Mississippi State. And so now with this over, we'll check out the rest of the day and we'll head out to Duty Noble Field and uh, enjoy a good time in the left field lounge. And then we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, could it be a doubleheader? Maybe, 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 maybe not. But I will – Submit to you again, 
Mississippi State needs to sweep this weekend. We can ill afford to take another bad non-conference loss, and I think Lipscomb is going to prove to be uh, a very mediocre non-conference opponent at best. I don't know what they expect to be in their league, but the reality of it is is that uh, you know we're Mississippi State. We should never be sweating out a game to Lipscomb. We have never lost to Lipscomb in our history. We're 6-0. and We haven't played them in over a decade, but uh, – you know, we've had some teams kind of rotate on a schedule this year that aren't regular opponents of Mississippi State. Uh, you know, we beat Cal last weekend, the first ever meeting between the two schools. And then, you know, we get ready to play uh, Valparaiso. We've only played them twice, and that was a doubleheader deal back, uh, you know, a dozen years or so ago. So, some new names to come out and, uh, and be a part of this thing, but we have got to go take all three of these. And, and it feels so weird to say that you've you got must-win games in March when it comes to college baseball. It's not about the win-loss record as much as it is. We have to find some identity. we got to go out there and play well. It's, I mean, it's not going to be enough to sweep them if we win the games 18-17, right? You're not going to feel good about that. Even if you won all three of them, you're, you're not going to feel like, man, our pitching is terrible. Our defense is terrible. We can't have the same issues and then to be satisfied just because we won a ball game. That's what happened against Southern Miss. We were able to overcome, you know, the walks, the errors, and fortunately, our offense is enough to pick us up. But even though we won the game, it was more of a relief to win than a joy to win. So we need to go on this weekend and play good baseball and win all three of these games and not win just because we have more talent. We need to win because we are trending in the right direction. We've won you know, a couple games in a row now. We played really well against Cal, played exceptionally well against Valparaiso, but we should. We're Mississippi State. So I'm not going to sit here and, you know, poor mouth – uh, our our ball club but you know people say you know a win's a win I won't look at it that way I won't look at this weekend you know and say hey we we won three church league softball games this weekend hey so now we're 11 and 5 we're ready for the SEC in order to feel confident about uh, moving into SEC play next weekend we've got to go out there and take care of business this weekend and and I don't mean win four to two I mean we got to go out there and look good doing it we need to be playing our best baseball of the first uh, month of the season this weekend. And then we'll head down to Biloxi and uh, looking forward to seeing all you Gulf Coast dogs down there. I'm so glad we do this, you know, because years and years and years, you know, we'd go play the Jackson Mets. Uh, you know, we did that f- forever, right? And then now we play the games in Pearl. And I'm so glad we do take the show on the road. There's so many young people. I've shared with you guys before. I was a kid in South Mississippi, and so getting to Stargill was almost impossible sometimes. And so when we had a chance for, for, for State to play at USM in Hattiesburg, it was an easy drive. We'd go over and watch them play. Those guys are my heroes, man. And so there's a lot of young kids down there on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that will get a chance to see Mississippi State play in person for one of the first times. It's a big deal. It's good for recruiting. It's good for the program. It's good for you guys to feel some ownership and all of it, too. And sometimes it's just, hey, the Bulldogs are coming to our neck of the woods. we got to go. Let's all put our M over S cap on and go out and support the Bulldogs. So we hope to see uh, some big crowds down there. And it's not just a one-night event, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday night. So Tuesday night, uh, State will play Nickel State, and then Wednesday turn around and play uh, Louisiana Lafayette. So we look forward to being down there. But first things first, let's go take care of the Lipscomb Bisons, and let's get all three. Bison. Excuse me. Let's get all three. If you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get all my sports books there. That's Dogpile, uh, Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, Bloomsville, Leander, available through 
barnesandnoble.com, booksandmillion.com, amazon.com, or your local bookstore. Be sure and, uh, and check that out. I don't know how much longer I'll keep it in print. I don't know how much we've I don't know how much we've made. I hadn't checked any of that stuff yet. But, uh, you know, I have to pay that renewal fee uh, once a year. I don't know. I don't know if we do it another year or not. We'll see. So if you want that, you need to make a move sooner uh, rather than later. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. And as always, come be a part of our community over JeansPage.com. You don't have to be a VIP member, but I think you should be. It'd be a whole lot cooler if you did. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.